1: Every week, Michael Rosenbaum is getting deep with someone new on the Inside of You podcast. Let's get inside of Shelly Hennick. So Obliterated's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I had the
2: best time. That's it was great. challenging, but it was like the show that doesn't always was...
1: happen.
3: Everybody's trying to make a show and you're this not. This was a dream. It's no fun.
0: Genuinely. That's and if it beautiful. wasn't, I would just keep my mouth shut and talk about something
2: else. Yeah, like it like, was. hey, it was fine because yeah, I've done that.
1: Was... I've asked people and they're like, you know. Yeah. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum, wherever you listen
4: he's well known in the sports community uh, i i i i don't know his athleticism is in question you haven't even got a name tag you've got no chance and he's ready to talk sports give him a call see what the dealio is this is the middle of the day show with mark rogers on 98.1 wwls the sports animal now it's time for the Big Three, sponsored by Service Master by Eagle Eye. Carpet and air duct cleaning, water and fire restoration, and more. Call 405 216 8000 or visit smbyee.com.
5: Welcome to the middle of the day show on a Wednesday. Thanksgiving Eve. A lot of people in the car today. We invite you to hang out with us until 2 o'clock this afternoon. we got a busy show. Really, really, really busy show. Kale's uh, going to join us next segment. We'll preview what's going on this weekend with him. Um, we will also make our picks today. Sam, Matt. Oh, no. I forgot about this. Forgot about the picks. You've got I forgot time. forgot that it was Wednesday. We'll do it today. We'll do it. Well, we usually do the picks on Thursday. I know. That's what no I'm one is going to be here tomorrow. So the picks happen at one thirty today. Todd... Or, excuse me, the picks will happen. Heck, I don't even know when the picks are going to happen. We've got our high school two-minute drill coming up at 1 o'clock today. Uh, We will have Todd Furman on at 1240, uh, picks at 130, maybe work in some time for some phone calls, always have time for some texts uh, to get in on the Trade Pros Heat and Air text Connect line. Call my bros at Trade Pros, 405-900-9957. How you doing, Sam? Doing great. Happy Thanksgiving. What's up? Yeah, same to you. Uh, we had a Thanksgiving draft yesterday. I'm not sure everybody quite comprehended exactly what went on because some people were tweeting at me why I would chose tofu as my meat for Thanksgiving, and it was just part of the of the draft. You had to pick um, from the different food categories, and there were two good picks and one bad pick just to try to make it interesting, uh, or at least according to me, uh, one bad pick. And the Twitter results uh, show that, Brad had 70% of the people who wanted to come to his house for Thanksgiving. Somehow he had an incredible uh, draft yesterday. Gained the system pretty good uh, with the first pick. Um, he has turkey dressing, gravy, pecan pie, asparagus, and sweet potatoes at his house, which really is looks like a normal everyday Thanksgiving meal. Um, Matt. Ravis had 19%. I had 11%. Matt has ham, mashed potatoes, pumpkin pie, cranberry dressing, broccoli, and ketchup. Um, I guess he and Patrick Mahomes would have a good Thanksgiving. Um, and we'll get on that more in a second. I had to go with wine as my first choice since I couldn't get either of the two meats. And I might have gone with wine as the second choice if I didn't get ham. Because I'll have some turkey on Thanksgiving, but i just not really that big a fan of Turkey. Um, but if you come to my house, you're going to have to drink and then have some great sides like green bean casserole, mac and cheese rolls. Uh, and then there's tofu and rhubarb pie if you need that. So 11% want to come hang out with me. You say you sent me something that Pat Mahomes wants ketchup on Thanksgiving meal of turkey and ham.
3: Yes. He would have been voting for Ravis.
5: That's disgusting, man. <laughs> I love if ketchup. Cry, too. I, I, it's not I the worst like thing ketchup. in the world. I like ketchup a lot, but it's if you put it on something that's fried, I, I get it. But turkey doesn't really have that consistency to put, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not afraid to dip a chicken strip in some ketchup. and bother me.
3: I feel like the dressing or the stuffing could use some ketchup, too. It's kind of like throwing ketchup on hash browns. I'm a big ketchup person.
5: I think I found a ketchup person bigger than me.
3: I mean... And Lunch you? normally consists for me of a, a turkey sandwich that I do not put ketchup on the turkey sandwich, but then I, you know, eat garden salsa, sun chips, and dip them in ketchup.
5: Love ketchup. It's not a problem. It's not a problem at all. I, I can, I can get down with that. Ketchup on a potato chip every once in a while. Absolutely. Or barbecue sauce. No doubt. Yes. Great. I agree. I agree. Uh, we got the Thunder in action tonight against the Bulls couple of days off, this game, OKC just go out and roll? I mean, they hammered Chicago on opening night. What do you think about tonight's game? I think the Thunder rolls,
3: and the reason why they've been playing so good, Mark, is because, number one, they are leading the league in transition offense. I think that part of that has to do with how long and lanky. We always talk about the Thunder playing small, but they have big guards, and they get a ton of steals. Shea's actually leading the league in steals with two and a half per game right now so they're playing they're turning you know they're turning their defense into offense and i think that's the reason why uh the thunder's playing such great basketball right now and the bulls have their own troubles at times and i think that uh billy donovan's in for a big loss tonight
5: yeah the bulls have their troubles period uh this season so far they're five and ten only got one road win oklahoma city's still only a uh a Six and a half point favorite, which
3: I don't understand because they have talent really total.
5: I, I mean, they have talent,
3: DeRozan, and, and what's going on with Levine, you know, pushing the uh, he wants out, yeah, push, but you know, the other night pushing the uh, woman manager or whatever they call her, working with the Bulls, you know, after the game.
5: Well, when they put this team together and they added Nikola Vucevic, which was a great, he's a great player, but if you look at the players on the floor, you got DeMar DeRozan. Uh, who's a guy that likes to get to the basket, likes to get into the lane. Uh, if you put Vucevic in the lane, that clogs it up for him. Then you've got chuckers and ball-dominant. I mean, like Kobe White wanted to take a lot of shots. And you've got um, the same with Zach Levine. I mean, He's going to put it up all day, all night, not really be part of a system. And so it's one thing that it's hard to quantify when you just talk about the individual talent of the Oklahoma City Thunder is how well that they play together and how well they're constructed on the floor. SGA likes to go to the basket, so what do you do? You've got a postman like Chet that can get out of the lane and can play in the perimeter, uh, yet he's seven feet tall. The Thunder um, are kind of built to move the basketball and then penetrate, kick. It's why they've shot such a high percentage this year. Josh Giddey, six eight, he can rebound, uh, and so he can play in the paint. But he's also an excellent distributor there. Um, what Chet the did the other night know, was what, unbelievable. In the Warriors game?
3: Yeah, I I mean stuff that we haven't ever seen an NBA rookie do. 36 10, 5 assists, 2 steals and and uh two three-pointers made. Literally no rookie in NBA history has done that. Uh and he was also the first rookie um to reach those numbers or a rookie has not done that since 2000 and then the, he's the first rookie to reach those numbers since Michael Jordan in a
5: game. That's that's really good. Uh, and then, you know, hit the game-tying shot. Yeah, unbelievable. So I'm really cu- curious to see what his, uh, you know, what his ceiling is going to be this year. Zach Levine averaging, he's shooting 43% from the field, 33% from three, half shots a game. and Rosen, 16.5 shots a game, much more efficient for him, making 38% of his threes. Kobe White, 11 Field goal attempts a game, shooting 39% from the field and 32% from three. That is not good. Very, very suboptimal. uh, We're talking about one of the the most
3: efficient teams in the NBA versus one of the least efficient teams in the
5: NBA. Yeah. So I would. What's the uh, line on this game, Mark? The line's six and a half. That number looks really short. And the total looks low, too. I'd take the Thunder. I mean, yeah. I would think that you would take Oklahoma City for sure in this game um some good college hoop on today we talked about it earlier the classic is just loaded with teams Kansas lost yesterday to Marquette uh didn't even get to 60 points I think this is a really good KU team this year with Hunter Dickinson the Michigan transfer on it uh there was some trash talk going on in that game yesterday and Shaka Smart and Bill Self were screaming at each other at half court which was very interesting so the final today Marquette and Purdue. I think Kansas has Gonzaga uh, today in the uh, runner-up portion of the game and a, another good fifth-place game in that tournament. So some good college hoop on and again. The, uh, yeah, go ahead, Sam.
3: And I can update people that number 14 North Carolina is down by six at halftime to northern Iowa in the, you'll like this, the bad boy mowers battle for Atlantis.
5: <laughs> the battle for Atlantis is in a bad tournament. Oh, you were oh she was in that last year, a couple years ago. I've been in there. You ever been to the uh, the Atlantis there, the Atlantis Casino? No, I haven't. In the Bahamas? Oh, I heard it's fantastic. I heard it's awesome. My dad wrote nice, down the big slide nice one place time. I've seen the video. Okay, yeah. Uh, so he knows. It's he good. knows for uh, sure. By the way, Gonzaga. It's Kansas is not play. Uh, the, Kansas plays Tennessee today. My bad. Uh, Gonzaga plays UCLA. The Kansas-Tennessee game is. This afternoon at 1.30. Um, and so we got a bunch of ranked teams in action. The championship game, Purdue and Marquette, is at 4 o'clock. Purdue favored by 3.5. Really good start for Marquette. Uh, Matt said this earlier. There's not been a team since 1970 play number one and number two in college basketball on back-to-back days. And that is what Marquette, who is number four, so they're highly rated in their own right. Played Kansas yesterday, number one. Purdue today, number two. Would have a chance to knock both of them off. So we have got all kinds of college basketball today. Big, full schedule of NBA tonight. Uh, and then tomorrow we go back to uh, football with the Egg Bowl on uh, ESPN at night. Mississippi, Mississippi State. Mississippi State looking for a new coach. Uh, Ole Miss trying to win 10 games this year uh, for Lane Kiffin being a pretty good bowl excuse me, uh, right behind Oklahoma in the uh, in the polls right now. So um, always fun to watch that game. Pretty intense, pretty heated rivalry in the SEC between Mississippi and Mississippi State. Uh, all right, I'm here at Dr. Bilardo's place, Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. Set up a diagnostic exam if you are having any issues with your vision. 405-755-7700, ALCOK.com. We're at 11308 North Pennsylvania Uh, and excited to announce, started offering the light-adjustable lens to the cataract and lens replacement patients. It's a really, really great technology right here. Dr. Bilardo is always looking for the best technology for his patients uh, and excited about the results they've been achieving with the light-adjustable lens. Call or uh, go to the website if you have questions, 755-7700-ALCOK.com. Kale Getty joins us next. It is the middle of the day show on the Sports Animal. Welcome back. It is the middle of the day show from Advanced Laser and Cataract Center here on North Penn in Oklahoma City. Um, Drake Stoops up for the Broyles Award, which will be given out on Monday in Fayetteville. The Burlsworth Trophy. Named after Brandon Burlsworth, who was a uh, University of Arkansas walk-on uh, that was killed in a an accident, traffic accident, uh, while he was there. So uh, it's, it's hard to almost even think of, of Greg Stoops as a walk-on at this point in his career. as He's at the top of the Big 12 in uh, a lot of the receiver categories. So it's a uh, – last year's trophy, uh, last year's winner was Stetson Bennett. <laughs> this is a pretty good walk on uh, at the University of Georgia. Now, let's welcome in Kale Gundy. Kale, how are
6: you doing? Mark, I am doing fantastic. How, is, how are you and Sam doing today?
5: We're good. You have uh, everything together for your Thanksgiving meal,
6: man. I, I tell you what, I uh, I am blessed in that area. Uh, my wife started cooking Saturday. We started getting. Um, Whatever she needed to cook last week, she cooked five. uh, She made five uh, the uh, uh, pie crusts Saturday, did a little bit Sunday. But our kitchen, uh, the countertops have been completely full of food, pans, um, seasonings, whatever that she needs to make. Uh, Started a little bit more last night about five or six and got up this morning at six and she's been cooking all day and she'll cook all day and then she'll get up in the morning and start the turkey. So I I'm just blessed just to be a part of it. You know, I'm not asked that's, to do a whole lot, except maybe run a couple of errands here, here and there.
5: That's pretty good. Uh, I was mentioned before yeah. you joined us, Drake, Drake Stoops up to the Burlsworth trophy. Uh, so is the running back at Missouri, Cody Schrader. I really yeah. don't know a lot about him. Five nine two fourteen. He's leading the SEC in rushing this year with 1200 yards. Um he transferred to Missouri from not Georgia or Alabama but Truman State. So it, he's had a heck of a Where? year. Truman what, Truman what State. Think? That's right. Okay. Truman State. Don't even know the mascot there. <laughs> you, you you know
6: um he has had an unbelievable year uh this year and um and, and so has and so has Drake. There's no doubt. You know, I I, um, you know, they're, they're both would be, you know, great recipients um, of the of this award. Uh, you know, I, I think Drake will win it. Um, is, is, there, is there anybody else that's up for it? Or is it just between Drake and Cody? Do we know? You
5: no, know, there's a third finalist. He is uh, James Carpenter, a uh, nose guard at James Madison. Okay, okay. Well, uh, I, I
6: think Drake will win it. Drake has had a Longer career and more success over a longer period of time, Um, you know. uh, I I I believe I don't I don't think um, Cody. You know when when was Cody? Did Cody play much early in his career?
5: He's only Um, been at Missouri for two years. I know I know that. Yeah, yeah. He was pretty good. um, A year ago, but not not near as good. Okay, okay. This
6: year, Uh, yeah, and, and again maybe. Uh, and drake is going to be um in my opinion most deserving i think of this award uh there's a lot of reasons to point at him uh to win this award uh but he he besides those besides being the son of bob stoops um you know um besides going through the things that he's had to go through these other guys have too but i think drake has done it longer and i think drake had a um, had a uh, award-winning moment here a couple weeks ago in that indoor facility when he was asked that stupid question. I don't know who asked that dumbass question, uh, <laughs> which I thought was ignorant. But uh, it's kind of like a Heisman moment. It's like a Heisman game. I mean, he is going to go down, and he is – Drake is going to go – he was going to go down as one of the great all-time Sooners, but I believe he's going to go down now. I believe he cemented his legacy. Uh, as maybe one of the top ten, maybe top five all-time sooner favorites uh, in the football world at the University of Oklahoma by his comment and uh, what he what he said.
5: I, I want to get your thoughts too on, on the OU game coming up. Um, but I do. I, I saw you okay. tweet this yesterday. Uh, Ryan Miner. It was announced yesterday. He's going into the Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame. Incredibly deserving honor. Uh, he is really struggling right now, and so we want to send the, the best of wishes out to him. And uh, I was really happy to see him receive that honor that he uh, definitely deserves.
6: Yeah, you know that's, that's a that's a uh, a wonderful family, uh, great one of the all time great family names in the state of Oklahoma. Um, and um, you know, um, you know, prayers and and uh, and uh, everything goes out to he and his family during this time, and and uh, you know. It's a crazy thing we live in. It's called life. Things happen uh, at different times, and and, uh, it's hard to go through those things. Uh, But uh, a lot of great memories uh, of Ryan Miner and his family.
5: All right, TCU's coming into town. This is a team that we thought would be a lot better at the beginning of the year. it's, It's hard for me really to explain. They've had some injuries on defense, but that's been a side of the football that they've not lived up to expectations. Still a lot of good skill players here. Uh, BYU had a really good game plan for Oklahoma last week. Can Sonny Dykes and TCU learn a little bit from what BYU did to try to take advantage of Oklahoma?
6: Uh, yes, they can. And um, but Oklahoma seems to do better when they're at home, for the most part. And TCU has really just been a up and down uh, football team. And uh, you know, uh, there's just a lot of there's a lot of question marks. You know, the the young quarterback that's playing for TCU right now, Josh Huber from Rockwall High School is a freshman, uh, has been playing good, but he's also been throwing interceptions. And he and now he did it last week, but the, the four or five games before that, he was stolen one or two every game. So um, I, I think Coach Venables and the defense, I think they'll really, really try to get after these guys and really try to put a pr- lot of pressure on him. Now, on the flip side of it, I'm putting pressure on the quarterback You've got one of the best running backs so far in, in the Big 12 Conference, uh, Imani Bailey from um, Denton, Texas. I mean, he is a really good player. From Denton Ryan, he's a really really good player, and he's over a thousand yard rusher. You know, so uh, they have some weapons. And then you look out uh, their receivers. I mean, they've got guys out there. They've got they've got dudes. They got a tight end that is a uh, you know six seven guy that's going to be an NFL player. He, he was um, out of Temple High School. I remember watching him. He was quarterback. He went to Texas, uh, played a little bit there, then transferred to TCU here the last two years. So they've got weapons all over the place. They really, really do. And um, it'll be interesting. I think the key is you've got to shut that run game down and try to make it one-dimensional. Now, they're going to go Kendall Bryles, who's the offensive coordinator at TCU, uh, which is Jeff Levy's brother-in-law. Is uh, This is where this system comes from. So we're going to see a a lot of similarities offensively styles and schemes of both of these two offenses tomorrow. They're going to want to play really, really fast. And, uh, you know, so – but, again, they've been kind of up and down. It all depends who's going to show up uh, Friday. And, uh, yeah, we expected these guys to be better. They played in a national championship game last year, had a lot of skill players coming back. Uh, Sonny Dykes poured us some Kool-Aid down there at Big 12 Media Days, and we drank all of it. And we loved it but uh, they have yet to perform at a consistent basis. So they're fighting to scratch and trying to get to be, become bowl eligible.
5: you expect Jackson Arnold to start?
6: Boy, that's a tough one. Um, um, what I have heard, um, and I think probably everybody else has, is uh, that, yes, it, it – it, and, and, again, going back to what I've heard, is it was a concussion. But he was feeling better after the game, and that's also a young man who knows that I've got to be feeling better, or I have no chance to play my last home game at the University of Oklahoma. Uh, you have to say those things. Um, but I also uh, I think what people said he has not practiced very much this week. Uh, so, uh, but but he's a guy that's played a lot of snaps. He's played a lot of games. This that's not you know him him not practicing on Monday and Tuesday and and, uh, you know, maybe practicing a little bit more today and a little bit Thursday, he'll be 100% fine. I think he's going to play, um, but like I said, in all the years I was there as a player and as a coach, if you had a concussion on a Saturday, you never played the following Saturday. That was no ifs, ands, or buts, and it was because it was a medical reason, you know. Regardless of what you said and how you felt, uh, the doctors never let you play. So uh it will be interesting to see uh who's going to take the first nap out there
5: OSU, you i don't expect them to have much difficulty with byu uh, this week i i think they're going to punch their tickets to go to the big 12 championship game um any any thoughts on that game kill
6: oh I, I you know i i don't know how you can say that i mean i i don't know if you've watched any of their games or not uh but uh you know <laughs> in the first quarter it it looks like it's tooth and nail you know and uh you know i i, I You know, they're just not a team that's been coming out and just beating the dog out of everybody. They seem to kind of settle in and get into a a, a rhythm. And, yes, they're playing at home, but BYU played the best game of the season last weekend versus OU. And uh, they do some good things um, offensively, um, you know, uh, schematic-wise, how they motion and and how they uh, run some misdirection and how they – uh, have have the half of the offensive line going one way, and and and, and will uh, influence a tackle and tight end the other what going the other way, which creates bigger seams, and uh, doesn't take much to get out of gap, and that's what happened to OU last week. Um, you know, uh, I I've got my fingers crossed, hoping those guys play well, and uh, but uh, I I just can't come out and say right now that it's just going to be a cakewalk.
5: All right. Well, stay away from all that dessert that your wife made. Make sure you save it till tomorrow. All right. Don't get tempted. I sure will. All right. See you guys. (laughs) All right. Happy Thanksgiving, Kale. We'll talk to you later. Uh, Kale Gundy. We will take take a time out here. We will come back from uh, Doctor Bilardo's place, Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. Todd Furman will join us on a Wednesday and break down the weekend in college and professional football. It's next on the Middle of the Day Show. (laughs) Welcome back to the Middle of the Day Show on a Wednesday pre-Thanksgiving. Bumped up Todd Furman today. Get you updated on what's happening this weekend in college and the NFL, post-Formula 1 race. I thought the setup of the uh, of the race was great.
7: Oh, was, the setup was, I, I the think setup was get outstanding, better. and from what I was told, the race itself went out went off without any hitches. It was more some of the practice issues that were highlighted on Thursday night in P1, where they were pulling up manhole covers with the downforce And I think when you do an event of this magnitude, even for a city like ours, Marco, where it's known for having some of these extravagant events, it's always going to be a learning process. So you hope things get better and more seamless going forward. And we can only hope that the race actually means something in the F1 calendar that Max Verstappen doesn't have the championship wrapped up about eight weeks before actually arriving out here in the desert.
5: Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's still—I still think that's going to be uh, something that's really cool year in year. Out. Uh, all right, let's talk some football. Oklahoma—they were stunned last week. I mean, that game could have easily been in the L column, uh, if not for a hundred-yard interception return and uh, winning the turnover battle decisively against BYU. So at home this week against what I think is a better TCU team, quarterback questions up in the air. Who's going to start and play? Oklahoma nine and a half point favorite over TCU. Who do you like?
7: I mean, look, as someone who has Oklahoma over 9.5 wins on the regular season, I was not thrilled watching that game unfold up there in Provo. Apparently, Oklahoma was too busy watching the game the week before where Iowa State went in there and boat raced, and they thought it was just going to be as easy to get off the bus and beat BYU. You mentioned the quarterback concerns here, and that's what you're seeing in the betting market so far. Oklahoma actually opened as a 13-point favorite. We've seen the number trend towards 10. A lot of speculation in terms of who will be the starting quarterback for the Sooners. Do we get Dylan Gabriel in a short week, or does Jackson Arnold make the start? What's interesting about this number, for me, I have about a five, five-and-a-half point downgrade from Gabriel to Arnold. So when you get below 10, a little bit of the value is gone. But I think in a scenario where Gabriel put, could potentially get ruled out, <clears throat> excuse me, number could come down as low as seven. And then I would be intrigued by the Sooners. I do think the under offers some value, though, because regardless of who you see at quarterback for Oklahoma, this Sooners defense should do well against a TCU team that really hasn't put up crooked numbers uh, when they go away from Fort Worth. But oh, how the mighty have fallen. TCU, of course, needing this game to play a postseason game, uh, or they'll end up 5-7 and seven spending holidays at home with their families instead of going bowling.
5: BYU also needs a win to get to the postseason. I think this is a good matchup for Oklahoma State. Uh, BYU put a lot into that OU game last week. I don't know that they can take the same enthusiasm on the road to Stillwater, uh, where a win goes a long way in clinching a Big 12 championship bid for Oklahoma State.
7: Uh, I mean, if you can tell me what these Big 12 tiebreakers are, I mean, that would be a huge step in the right direction. I'm glad the conference, like we talked about, had figured out, hey, look, we add new additional teams. We don't have a full round robin, so we're just going to do glorified guesswork to figure out who the two title (laughs) combatants will be. But you look at Oklahoma State, uh, look, the Cowboys showed a ton of grit last week, battling back despite facing a double digit deficit against an inferior Houston side. We saw flashes of how explosive the offense could be with one of the bigger passing days for Allen Bowman over the last month. But at the same time, I'm not ready to run in late 17 with the Cowboys in this spot. I think BYU, to your point, did empty the tank, and you wonder if they're a little bit flat. You look at some of their recent road results, 37-7, in Morgantown against West Virginia, 35-6 in Austin. But I think BYU will find enough to hang around in this game. I would lean towards the Cougars plus the points, uh, but this isn't a game that really factored into my betting calculations at all this weekend
5: all right the biggest game of the slate is michigan and ohio state michigan three and a half point favorite at home over the buckeyes
7: big storyline here the health uh, of jj mccarthy dealing with a little bit of a lower body injury we got inkling saturday morning last week that there was a chance he might not even start against maryland and when you look at his performance didn't run the football once had his worst passing game from a completion percentage standpoint and you wonder how that ankle will be this week against the biggest defensive test that they faced arguably more so than penn state Roman Wilson, the receiver for Michigan, was injured against Maryland, didn't return, but is trending up and have been told that he should be out there. But you look at Michigan's offensive line, and I think that could be a real problem against this Ohio State defensive front. Meanwhile, for the Buckeyes, Kyle McCord, not exactly a threat to run. Went out there, finished the game after being rolled up uh, against Minnesota. But this Buckeyes offense is getting healthy at the right time. You have Abuka opposite Marvin Harrison. Travion Henderson has given them a heck of a lot more balance. And quietly, Cade Stover providing a legitimate threat at the tight end position. But sidewise here, I think the numbers fair at 3-3.5. Lean under the total here at 46.5, just given the style of play. The problem is my numbers come in significantly higher, so it's hard for me to get to the window with an under ticket. Uh, But I do think we could see a defensive-minded football game, despite the fact that the last nine meetings between these two teams have all gone over the total.
5: Mm, I did not know that. Uh, All right, Auburn loses last week at home, and not only loses, but just gets smoked by New Mexico State. I've got Alabama this week. uh, Line is only 14.5. Is uh, the rivalry enough to keep this one close?
7: Uh, I mean, we've seen weird things happen at Jordan-Hare in the past. Nick Saban, only 4-4 four four in his career when he goes on the road. It seems like every other year we get a good Iron Bowl. Not when Auburn has to go into Tuscaloosa, but when they get to host the game. This number has been adjusted, given that ridiculous data point last weekend for Auburn. You have been looking at Alabama right around a ten and a half, eleven 11-point favor for this game. Number now out to fourteen and a half. And you wonder if Auburn can rally the troops. I mean, next year, or any time going forward, if Hugh Freeze sees Jerry Kell on the other sidelines, just cut the check and buy out of the game. I mean, the second time in as many years that a Hugh Freeze team has lost a game outright as more than a three-touchdown favorite, Liberty did the same thing against New Mexico State. Auburn defensively leaves a little bit to be desired, but they do have a veteran defensive backfield, which I think could make things tougher for Alabama to hit the big play. I just don't know what Peyton Thorne can do offensively here. So if you think Auburn is live in this spot, I would definitely lean under the total. Uh, But, again, you're not stealing anything looking to lay the lumber with Alabama, and weird things tend to happen in this rivalry, so probably don't want to get involved in this contest myself.
5: Yeah, I'm sure they're not writing many tickets on Auburn this week at the window. Uh, How about Texas, Texas Tech?
7: Interesting game. Uh, when you look at Texas, the one thing uh, that we've seen from the Longhorns, every time they play, it hasn't mattered who the opponent has been over the last couple of weeks. There's under money that comes into the market. And we're seeing more of that again this week, the total 54 now down to 52 and a half and some 53's out there. Not a ton of movement on the side. Tech took a little bit of money from 14 down to 13 tech, of course last week slipped by UCF punching their ticket to the postseason so no pressure on them in this spot and I think they'd love nothing more than a play spoiler keeping Texas out of the Big 12 championship game This is a Texas team for me right now, the way that they're currently constructed, Marco, that I don't trust to win games by margin. So if I had to bet this game, I would lean towards Texas Tech and go with the under because the unit that I trust more than any other that will be out there on the field come Friday afternoon is that Texas defense that I think can be extremely stingy. And it wouldn't shock me at all if this game was somewhere in the ballpark of 28-14, 28-17, needing to hold on for a late score or stop, depending on which team you found yourself landing on.
5: Friday morning, the lowest college foot total I have ever seen. It is Nebraska and Iowa, 25 and a half. Uh, I mean, man, that's so tempting to just go over this if anything funny happens with turnovers. Uh, Nebraska's got to get the win to get to bowl eligibility. What do you got?
7: Incredible. When you look at a total of 27.5 and professional bettors go, you know what, that total is still a little bit too high. We're going to look to bet this thing under. And to your point, the lowest total that we've ever seen in college football at the FBS level here. And you can understand why when you dig into some of the numbers and you look at what Iowa has done over the last couple of weeks, doing everything they can to win by hook or by crook. Uh, But in terms of the recent history in this series, I mean, last year we had a total of 38, 24-17 Nebraska. Iowa had dominated the series before. I look at Nebraska here, and I think this game means a whole heck of a lot more to them than Iowa, who may already have one eye focused on the Big Ten championship game against the winner of Michigan or Ohio State. I know it's a rivalry, and you clearly want to beat up on a team for recruiting and bragging rights. But at the same time, I think Nebraska just getting a bowl eligibility in Matt Rule's first year would be massive. They're trending up with overall health. It looks like Chase Purdy officially named the starter, but they should get Billy Kemp back in the mix, and that can be a very difficult place to play, especially early on Black Friday in the Sea of Red. I like Nebraska here, uh, but buyer beware. Look to lay the money line, which I know isn't always the most attractive proposition at minus $1.30 to 35 rather than laying the two and a half. because would it shock anybody if this game ended 13-12 or some ridiculous scoreline where Nebraska wins but doesn't cover as a 2.5-point favorite?
5: Yeah, seven six. I mean, that's definitely in play. Uh, Okay, I I feel like we
7: need a vintage. I feel like we need a vintage Big Ten West three two type game where the only reason Iowa ends up with two is because Nebraska takes a safety on the final play regulation. I'd love
5: it. Uh, Florida State at Florida. Max Brown, who is a freshman from Tulsa, played high school football at Lincoln Christian, uh, is going to be the starting quarterback for Florida in this game. And without. Uh, Travis, the quarterback for Florida State. Seminoles are only six-and-a-half-point favorite against a Florida team that's kind of struggled on defense here at the end of the season. Who you got?
7: I had to do a little digging there. I almost shot you a note and was going to go, Marco, I need the scouting report on the local product there. But I figured if you had a Tulsa, Oklahoma quarterback go into an SEC program, it would have come from Jack's Union. So I was a little bit surprised as I'm not that familiar with Lincoln Christian by any stretch of the imagination, Max Brown's going to give them a very different dynamic under center. Graham Mertz, short controlled passing game, doesn't provide that same level of athleticism, but I think Brown is a better fit for what Billy Napier wants to do with this RPO system. Now, Missouri didn't prepare for a mobile quarterback, and they looked like they were struggling to try and slow him down as Florida ended Missouri's long ATS winning streak. You mentioned the injury to Jordan Travis and an absolute gut punch for a kid who's meant everything to this program. Would have loved nothing more, I'm sure, than to go beat Louisville in the ACC title game. A program that told him he would never amount to being a starting quarterback at the FBS level. But a little familiarity as well. Tate Rodemaker was the first recruit for Mike Norvell at Florida State. It was open and honest. His dad. Uh, coach in his own right at Valdosta in Georgia was recruited by Billy Napier at ULL and said he would have played for Napier if he was at a bigger program. So interesting side story there. I think Florida state uses the injury to Jordan Travis as a bit of a galvanizing factor. Like the under a bit, uh, but at six, six and a half, you're not really stealing much. I think at seven, you'll see an appetite for Florida. But the real problem for the Gators is that defense is an absolute mesh unit. I mean, they're playing a Matador defense style. And while Billy Napier would love to get to a bowl, I'm just not sure the health of that overall roster will pull off, be able to pull off the upset.
3: Todd, Sam Humphreys here. I want to switch gears to the NFL with you for a second. Uh, First question I have for you is we just watched the Eagles go into Arrowhead, not necessarily play their best football, and still win outright. This week they come back home and are facing the Bills who have had their struggles recently. I look at this line, and it's only three points. Am
7: I missing something here? Very sharp money, Sam, uh, has come in on the road underdog. That's why you're seeing it at three now from three and a half that was out there earlier in the week. And when you look at the Eagles, uh, I'm not going to say anything negative about a team that's 9-1 and one at this point in the year. But as far as their point differential is concerned, at plus 61, it's actually the third lowest point differential by a team at 9-1 or one or better through 10 games in NFL history. And while it's not going to garner the same amount of headlines as the Vikings' ghastly point differential last year, it does beg the question, when is regression coming? And each of the last two weeks, the Eagles found themselves on the right side of variance late in the game against Kansas City. You think about the improbable sequence of events from the Travis-Kelsey fumble, the Patrick Mahomes interception, and the Marquez-Valdez-Scantling drop to what unfolded even before the bye week against the Dallas Cowboys. Because if Philadelphia loses those two games in the final few minutes, you're looking at this game under a field goal. Buffalo, no world beaters, to your point, by any stretch of the imagination with some of their questions defensively. But I do think there's a path on the offensive side for the Bills to be able to attack Philly in space uh, and definitely leaned with the money that came in on Buffalo a plus three and a half or better.
3: And then my second question is, do you have any Thanksgiving Day trends for us from the past, and maybe what are some of your thoughts on the Thanksgiving Day games?
7: You know, when you look at Thanksgiving, uh, oddly enough, I mean, this has been a day built for favorites players. Uh, I mean, over the last couple of years, it's been pretty pronounced in terms of some of the trends that have developed on Thanksgiving. And I was blown away as we covered some of them on the Bet the Board podcast that we put out earlier today. And when you dig into some of those numbers, I mean, since 2004, favorites on Thanksgiving Day, 46 and 8 straight up. 36-18 36 and 18 against the spread. In that span, road favorites 24 and 1 straight up, which would apply to the 49ers, and 19 and 6 ATS on Thanksgiving. From the bookmaker perspective, I spoke to a couple guys and they told me flat out, "Hey, we're going to need one of these teams on either Thursday or Friday in the NFL underdogs to win outright to blow up some of that money line parlay liability." The number on the Cowboys starting to get out of control with Dallas, a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. But for me, uh, the Lions make a lot of sense to use as a teaser leg to time into something else. No real strong feeling for me because, you know, I'd gravitate towards the dogs, but I think a lot of those dogs all have fleas uh, come the holiday weekend.
5: Anybody laying any money on the Thunder to win the West or perhaps the NBA?
7: I have not seen a whole heck of a lot there, but I figure optimism starts to reign supreme. Uh, with everything that's going on so far, I mean, for the Thunder and how well they're playing. I mean, 10-4 and 4 out of the gates, fighting with the Denver Nuggets and the Timberwolves. Uh, I mean, you look at what they're doing from a point-per-game differential standpoint, one of the best marks in the league. Now, the question I have for you, Mark, with such a young roster, are they built for postseason success, or is this a team that needs to accumulate a little bit more of that scar tissue uh, before they can make a deep run in the Western Conference playoff picture and come early April?
5: I don't know. I'm just waiting for them as a team to shoot under 50% from three or whatever, or 40% from three right now where they are, 50% from the field. So uh, they, they are, uh, they're fun to watch, and they're going to need some help, obviously, to win a couple of playoff series in the West. But I think they can win one for sure.
7: What, well, you mean 41% from beyond the arc isn't something sustainable that they're going to be able to pull off all year long, getting you know double-digit uh, contributions not. from six guys on the roster? Yeah.
5: <laughs> They can shoot, man. This team is really – adding Chet and Isaiah Joe, who's a great find they got from Philly in a trade, uh, and Casey Wallace is a rookie that kind of out of the j mode of last year, which looks like he, Sam Presti might get another uh, a guy, at, you know, at the 12 spot that could be an all-rookie player. He's playing really good. I so. mean,
7: I have to give the Thunder credit. I mean, I know a lot of fan bases get annoyed with the whole trust the process and no guarantee that a team is ever going to be able to build back. But for those folks who waited this out – it's a fun team to watch on a night-in, night-out basis. You have a bona fide superstar uh, in Shea Gilgis-Alexander up front, and I think the young players are going to continue to develop. So even if they're not able to make a deep run in the playoffs this year, just get there, get the experience, uh, and suddenly we'll be talking about Oklahoma City, not so much as a dark horse in the Western Conference, but maybe one of the teams to beat over the next two to three seasons as well. Todd, thanks for moving up a
5: day, man. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you next week.
7: Hey, always a pleasure, not only to you and your family, but all the loyal Sports Animal listeners who've tuned in every Thursday throughout the fall. Uh, can't wait to talk some championship games next weekend, and hopefully we have a dash of Oklahoma flavor uh, opposite the burn orange for the game down in Dallas.
5: Sounds good. Todd Furman, Bet the Board Podcast, as well as CBS Sportsline. You can find him all over giving out great gambling content on college football and all professional sports. I'm at Dr. Blardo's place, Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. we got to take a break. We'll come back with a high school two-minute drill after this. Stay tuned.
4: All the girls love him.
8: Another man with seahorses on his boxers. And
4: all the guys want to be like him. I used to go marlin fishing with Tom Jones. It's Mark Rogers with the the middle-of-the-day show on WWLS, the sports animal. Now it's time for the high school football two-minute drill. Powered by Adrenaline Fundraising. More money, less time. Guaranteed. AdrenalineFundraising.com.
5: Welcome back to the middle of the day show, a Wednesday afternoon edition, high school two-minute drill. We have reached the uh, quarterfinals, semifinals in some classes of the high school football playoffs, and we visit with three coaches today who have teams that are involved in the action. Our first guest is Richard Norman. He's the head coach of the Dibble Demons. They're in the quarterfinals for the first time since 2006. Uh, Richard, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to talk to you. You guys are headed over to Purcell to uh to get some practice in on a on a turf field. So that seems pretty cool. Yes.
9: Yes, sir, we are. Uh, we want to get our kids acclimated to the turf uh that way we won't have any you know a lot of all of our kids haven't been on turf ever. So uh we want to make sure we get our get our feet feet underneath this and be ready to go Friday night.
5: You guys scheduled pretty tough this year in the non-district. You played Lindsay, uh, which is a, it's a bigger school, and then Minko, which is a really good team in and, and Class A. They were a district champion uh, this year, and you haven't lost since. Uh, how much did that help you having some stiff competition early in the season?
9: Oh, it helped us tremendously. Uh, one, it showed us where our weaknesses were, uh, what we needed to work on uh, going going into it, and, and two, it helped us for our playoff run. Uh, you know, our, our district was down a little bit this year, uh, but but our kids, our kids, we, we got better each and every week. And uh, having that co- tough competition early, kind of like I said, kind of set us where we were at, and and makes it to where we believe we can we can go up against anybody.
5: Uh, and you're putting up some incredible numbers offensively. Uh, you've scored 80 points in a game, and you guys are consistently over 50 and 60 every week. What's making your offense go?
9: Well, I'm telling you, it's all around. Uh, we're able to run it and throw it. Uh, our offensive line has done a great job, and uh, we basically focus on the run. Uh, and our running back, Jag Norman, he has 2,150 yards this year and 36 touchdowns, and uh, he has led us led us on the ground. It's it's made for some one-on-one matchups on the outside, and we have three good receivers and a good quarterback, and uh, we've been able to go fast and uh, put up some numbers this year.
5: Now, are you having Thanksgiving with that Norman kid? Yes, sir. Yes, yes, yes. I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, uh, he, tell he is my son. Yes, sir. <laughs> tell me, tell me a little bit about him and what made him such a good player for you guys.
9: One, uh, well, he's the coach's kid. Uh, he know he knows what it takes. Uh, he's been around it his whole life. Uh, he works hard, and he's he's just a strong, good, strong runner. Uh, he's coming off of uh, coming off of an ACL from last year, so he's one one year removed from ACL surgery. So, which. You know, it's kind of it, kind of scary at times at the first of the year, but he's wearing his brace and he's fought through it and he he just he just goes hard. He's he's kind of a throwback runner where he's a power runner. Uh, doesn't have a lot of flash, but he runs hard. He he, he just soon run through you, then run around you. Uh, but uh, it's it's been fun. It's been an honor getting to coaching. Uh, it, like I said, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, I'm pretty hard on him, but but he fights through it and uh, and does his thing on Friday nights.
5: Tell me a little bit about your opponent, Woodland. Uh, the Cougars—they're perennial power in this class—and uh, do a really good job. Yes,
9: uh, Woodland. Woodland. Woodland is really good. Uh, they are very fundamentally sound. They don't make a lot of mistakes, and they do a good job as well of running and passing. Uh, they mix it up. They do a lot of a lot of misdirection in the run game, uh, which makes you defensively have to be sound and and not get peeking in the backfield and looking at looking at false reads. Uh, and then they got a quarterback. They got a quarterback in Trey Bennett. That's he's six four, one ninety five, and and he can run it and he also throws it. Uh, he he's got a bunch of good targets and and they do a good job defensively. They're probably going to be the toughest defense we're going to see since we played Minko early in the year. Uh, they just play they play base defense, but they play it well. Uh, they don't have to. They're not flashy. Uh, they got a two good two good linebackers that we're going to have to we're going to have to make sure we get bodies on for us to be successful offensively. Uh, they're like I said perennial power. Traditionally speaking, they've won state titles in eight-man and in 11-man, and uh, they're good each and every year, and I believe their head head coach is from there, and he's done a good job keeping that tradition going. It's going to be a tough matchup for us.
5: Hey, Coach Norman, thank you. We'll let you get to practice. We appreciate it, and good luck this week.
9: Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it.
5: You bet. Richard Norman, he's the head coach of the Dibble Demons. Chance to make the semifinals for the first time since 1986.
1: Are you ready for hard-hitting observations? She is the least credible person I may have ever seen on camera. The Ben Shapiro Show brings you all the news you need to know in America today. Guys, not everything is 40, Chess. Why can't we just laugh? Ben breaks down the culture and never gives an inch. We all know I'm the number one rapper in the world thanks to Facts by Tom McDonald. The Ben Shapiro Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.
5: If they can win this game on Friday night. All right, our next coach is the head coach of uh, the Boone Apache Warriors. He is Tanner Coons in his second season. Apache is ten and one on the year, uh, and they've won uh, ten games for the first time since 2014. What's up, Tanner? Hey, man. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Uh, it's going good. Uh, you bet. I'm glad to have glad to have you on the show. Uh, you guys have had uh, an outstanding year this year uh, with only one loss. So uh, tell me about some of the kids that have uh, made place for you this year.
8: Oh, man, uh, you know, the first kid, uh, Dominic Scott, he's a senior for us, and he does a little bit of everything. You know, he runs the ball. He catches the ball. We put him at quarterback sometimes. He throws it pretty well. And then obviously, and then on defense, too, you know, he starts at safety, and I think he's got, you know, around seven picks and somewhere around 50 tackles and, you know, 12 PBUs. So, he's just Mr. Everything for us. And then on a the quarterback, Houston Hare, you know, he gives us a good little one-two punch with Dom, and. He does a good job of uh, making things happen. You know, he gets hit at the line of scrimmage, and you think, oh, you know, second and ten, and you look up at second and six. He does a really good job of just fighting for those extra yards. And then uh, our whole offensive line, you know, Matthew Beavers, uh, Brandon Lindsey, uh, Samus Bennett, they're kind of the heartbeat of our team, man. They do a lot for us, and they're kind of those uh, unsung heroes of our team.
5: You took over the coaching job there from Larry McDaniel, who had been at Apache for it seems like ever. I think that he was the head coach there when I started my magazine in yeah. 1995. And so this yeah. is a really good program. What's what's it like to uh, to start um, the, the career there at Apache? Oh, man, yeah, it's been awesome. Like you said, man, a lot of
8: tradition here. You know, Coach McDaniel, uh, August Deitch, you know, this was his first head coaching job. So they're traditionally known for having some good football teams here and a lot of really tough kids and the town really cares so it and it's it's been a good fit you know me and the family I come from we where we're all about football and they're all about it here so it's been a match made in heaven for me
5: your dad texted me yesterday and said he was listening to the show while he was working out can you out bench press him now <laughs> I don't know you know I might
8: be able to out out bench press him but I don't think I could take him you know I think he'd still uh, <laughs> he, he could still take me so i and i want, I wouldn't try to be honest so
5: <laughs> Do you guys have uh, you guys have big Thanksgiving plans? Oh,
8: you know, uh, my family had it this last weekend. My wife will. My wife's from Blanchard, actually. So uh, I'll go hang out with a couple Blanchard Lions tomorrow and uh, have Thanksgiving up there with her.
5: Good. Uh, tell me a little bit about Hominy. I know that their quarterback. Uh, I saw him play last year. He's a really good player.
8: Yeah, 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 man. They're they're. <laughs> they're They're really good. They got players everywhere, you know, watching film, you know, first thing you see is the quarterback, and you're like, man, he's a really good player, and then you keep watching, you're like, well, you know, this receiver's really good, man, that running back's really good, you know, so they're really, really talented, and uh, obviously, Coach Christian, he does a really good job with them, too, man. They're talented, but they're playing hard, they're mentally sound, and they're just overall a really solid team, and, you know, they're a team who's in the mix every year, it seems like, in Class A, you know, a town probably a lot like Apache, where, you know, football's a big deal, and, you know that they're going to play hard for all four quarters
5: hey tanner i appreciate your time tell everybody in your family i said hello and, and best of luck on friday night all right man appreciate it thank you okay tanner coons he's a head coach at boone apache uh our final guest today chris Ellerick, he's the head coach of the drum right tornadoes first season on the job and a perfect 12 and 0 uh and drum right uh, trying to uh, – this is the furthest point that they've reached since the 60s, I think, in the in the high school football playoffs. What's up, Chris? How are you doing?
10: Hey, Mark. How's it going, man?
5: It's going good. Tell me about what first attracted you to the job and then how you guys have had so much success this season.
10: Well, what first attracted me is, uh, you know, when my kids graduated at Stroud, I took a couple years off uh, from coaching – and, man, that coaching bug bites hard, and I was ready to get back in, and the superintendent at right and some really good people up here opened this door for me, and uh, we jumped on it, and here we go.
5: And you guys have had a really, really tough schedule. You've played some teams in, in the, during the season that have had a lot of success. Uh, a recent Prep, you knocked off in a close game earlier this year that's still playing. Uh, so how has the community and this team – who had a losing record last year, found the confidence to go up against such a good schedule?
10: Well, I don't know. I think we got some big wins early. Uh, You know, probably the first good thing we did is, you know, we jumped out there and scrimmaged OBA and uh, thought I was a little bit crazy for doing it maybe. But, uh, you know, we competed with those guys. And it was that first eye-opener that, hey, you know, we got a chance to be pretty good. But we knew early on when we got to drum ride and went through spring ball and team camp that we had – some really good athletes and good football players here. It was just a matter of getting everybody on the same page and going uh, and playing good football. Though. And then we got some big wins early. Uh, you know, we beat Watumka early, um, Kyoto early, Garber early, uh, and then got the big win against Regent Prep, which I think got us some some statewide notice. And really, it is it's been fun because every week you could just see our kids' confidence grow a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, and that's been fun to watch. Uh,
5: last week your game was 54-54. Uh, we were watching on the Squirtle stream uh, as I was driving back from another game. I mean, that had to kind of put, it through, put you through the meat grinder in that one <laughs> with the, going back and forth so much.
10: Uh, i tell you what, tip of the hat to uh, Coach Harmon, Trenton Harmon down at Caddo. He's had a great game playing in. Uh, and you know how it is in the playoffs and, and they're scoring and we're scoring and we get a couple of guys dinged up and subs are on and off the field and penalties. And then they're scoring and then we have to go score. And, and it was a back and forth game. And um, you really have to give our kids a lot of credit for that last drive, uh, kept their composure and went down with 38 seconds left when we got the ball on the 50, 38 seconds. And we, you know, we poke one in with three seconds on the clock to get the win and, always exciting but stressful at the same time
5: uh, tell me about some of the kids on your team i know you've got some big kids from watching you guys uh play from from time to time but who are who are making plays for you this year geez uh where do you start i'm you know i'm not going to mention the guy first
10: i'm going to mention our o-line first you know jackson bolton anchors us at, at center uh he's had a great season at six five three hundred pounds like he He's really, really good, and our guards Owen Gray and Tanner Willing have had great seasons. We had a young man who went to a position change. He's always played running back. We moved him to the tight end. Chase Flowers. He's had a great season at tight end for us blocking. And because of all those guys, you have a, a cat like back there like Bryson Kelly that you get to snap it to. And uh, you know Bryson's at what 2,500 plus yards on the season and 45 touchdowns, but. He's definitely not doing it by himself, I promise.
5: Uh, tell me a little bit about Velma. They look like the, – I saw them play earlier this year. They've, they've got a, a big team uh, with some really good athletes on the perimeter.
10: Man, Coach Norton does a great job with those guys, and this is the first time you know I've played against Velma. But a tradition ranch football community down in southern Oklahoma – uh, they do it right. They do a good job. They're really good up front. They've got good size. Their kids on line scrimmage play hard, and they back them up with good skill kids, both at you know, quarterback, running back, receiver, and then those kids also play linebacker and corner and safety on defense, and, and they play really well on both sides of the ball. You know, you look at them through the course of the season, the only loss is to Dewar, who is a great program in their own right, and that was a close game. It was a back-and-forth game till really late. Uh, so Velma is – without a doubt one of the top teams left in this bracket.
5: Last question. I'll let you go. What's the spirit in the community like right now? I know haven't been so long since having a football team that, that has played this big game uh, has to have everybody just completely fired up.
10: You know, Mark, and I think when we were texting, I just said, it's been wild. And that's, that's the best adjective I can use to describe it. This place is going absolutely crazy. They're having a blast with it. You know, we absolutely packed the, the stands last week for that second-round game. The alumni all came back and had a, big, had a big party before the game and people coming up to you that you've never met and saying hi and saying thanks. And It's just been, it's been a lot of fun watching our community rally around our team and our kids and basically shower them with attention and energy and excitement and giving them anything they want to go play football.
5: That's what it's all about, man. Hey, I wish you the best of luck this week. Thanks for your time today, uh, and good luck, Chris.
10: I appreciate you guys and all you do for high school football in our state. It's
5: awesome. Thanks, Chris. We'll talk soon. Uh, Chris Ellick won his 200th game this year uh, as a coach overall, spent a ton of years at Stroud, uh, coached the eight-man level as well as the 11-man level. All right, that's your high school two-minute drill brought to you by Adrenaline Fundraising. Duncan Burke and his team, uh, they do a great job. We will come back. We'll make our picks. Uh, this week, here from Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. Stay tuned to the middle of the day show. Welcome back, middle of the day show from Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. Working our way towards Thanksgiving. Normally, we would do our picks on Thursday, but tomorrow Thanksgiving. We will not be working, and so today it is time for the picks.
10: All right, ladies and gentlemen, place your bets. Are we not human? If we pick, do we not bleed?
5: Frankly, I have stunk this year, and I am in a huge, huge place of no confidence. Complete lack of confidence in this week's games. So I'll see if I can stop the reeling from where it's been the last couple of weeks. Brad has texted us his picks this week. Matt Ravis is joining us. He will be back for the Thunder forecast in the Thunder post game from Coyotes. I don't do that as good as you, Matt. Nice. Nice, Sam Humphries running the show today. Will also make some picks with us this week. Here's the record from last week: Brad Copeland, strong showing, four and one. Up his record to thirty-one and twenty-nine on the year. He's five and seven in his TNW tire locks of the week. Matt Ravis, three and three last week with a bonus pick after a push a week ago. Now eight and four with his TNW tire locks of the week. He had a good one: Maryland plus nineteen and a half against Michigan. Never in doubt.
2: Yeah. That, yeah, they had a chance in that Terps game. Terps
5: were there all the way. They did actually have a chance. I was 1-4 last week. The Beavers went down. Home against Washington. Both Sam and Matt were on the opposite side of that, so I congratulate you for the win. I'm nice three and beaver. I'm 9 My TNW Tire. lock of the weave was not a nice beaver. 26-34 and 34 overall this year. The boys from TNW Tire finally got a win. Last week with the Kansas Jayhawks, that improves their TnW Tire Locks of the Week to four and eight. So we begin. Matt Ravis, you will have the honor of going first. Start with the Oklahoma Sooners at home against the TCU Horn Frogs.
2: I'm, I'm trying not to be too um, emotional about this. You want to be cool and calculated and and all that stuff, but I just. I, there's no part of me that can walk up to the counter and and put a ticket on you. Oh, you right now. There, there's nothing. So, uh, give me the orange, Brock. the, uh, what, nine and a half? Nine and a half Nine correct. and a half. All right, I'll take them.
5: Now, Brad has texted us in his picks. And it appears that I'm having a difficult time deciphering these. I'm going to assume that his picks of the team on the left. There's an asterisk by this. I have no idea. Yeah, uh, yeah, But I think Brad's so. lines are off a little bit. There, there is no asterisk on the... I, 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 he's going to have to interpret this for us. Yeah,
2: okay. that is hieroglyphics um, a little bit.
5: Okay, we're going to say that Brad has TCU plus the nine and a half. I am also going to take tcu plus the nine and a half i'm with you matt this game is difficult to handicap if you look at oklahoma's last home game they dominated an opponent that's better than the opponent that they have this week if you look at last week's game recency bias they played very poorly on the road at west virginia quarterback is up in the air really expect yeah. dylan gabriel to play in the game this week but i'm going to take the points you want to make it four for four sam I'll go with the Sooners,
3: even though their defense looked pathetic last week and got bailed out by the interception late. Um, OU at home a little bit of a different team. Give me OU just mainly because I don't think TCU is very good at all. Minus 9.5.
5: Okay.
2: You Guy it. on the island is usually right on that one.
5: All right. Sam, would you like to go first with the Oklahoma State Cowboys and BYU?
3: I like OSU big in this one by more than three touchdowns the line 16 and a half on this one I'll lay the point 16 and a half at home versus BYU that BYU defense can't stop the run and Ollie Gordon's going to run all over these boys give me OSU
5: okay the scores and odds number on that game is what 17 and a half
3: 16 and a half
5: okay 16 and a half Oklahoma State I agree with this one. I know OSU hasn't really run it up on people. It scares me a little bit that Todd likes the other side of this. He's going to take BYU and the points, uh, but I think Oklahoma State at home in front of a, a good crowd on Saturday is going to roll this one up. I like the Cowboys minus sixteen and a half.
2: Yep, I agree with what you guys said. I think oh, you made a, a bad team look uh, look competitive last week for BYU. So give me the uh, give me the Cowboys in on this one.
5: Okay, you're in. Uh, it looks like it's going to be unanimous. To, can you decipher what Brad had in this game, Matt?
2: Uh, BYU plus 16 looks, and a half. Yeah, looks like that's the side he wanted.
0: Yeah, okay.
5: All right, now time for the TNW Attire Locks of the Week. We will let Mr. Ravis have the floor first since he leads the competition this year with a very impressive 8-4 and four record.
2: So i got a bunch of uh, divisional games in the NFL coming up this week, and it was tough for me to figure out which one of these I like the most. feel pretty confident in all of these, but I've been on the Packers this year. I think I was on them a little bit early, but their offense has actually been playing pretty well. I don't really understand this line. Um, you know, I think if the, the Bears don't take their foot off the gas last week, I wonder I wonder what this number would be. Uh, so give me the Packers there, plus seven and a half right now against the Lions. The
5: Lions have a uh, are eleven and one in the last twelve divisional games, but I, I don't. I kind of agree with you that the, the Packers have had I, uh, success to play a little bit close. Jordan Love is is, is uh, been better the last couple of weeks.
2: And that Lions defense, I'm a little worried about them.
5: Yeah, they they uh, gave up a ton of uh, points to Chicago last week, so I, I can. See that those are uh, some valid concerns there. All right, Sam, what do you got? My lock of the week,
3: I asked Todd Furman about it. He said sharp money's on the bills, but I'm still going Eagles minus three. If it was three and a half, I'd be a little more scared to take this, but the Eagles did not play their best football in Arrowhead and still came out with the victory straight up. So I am going to take my Eagles minus three at home against what looked to be the hapless Bills right now?
5: Man, they weren't hapless last week. This is a tough spot in the schedule. I mean, if for the that was a big, big game on Monday night, and the Eagles have to come home and play on short rest. Um, I just the Eagles have their own flaws. To me, it's not going to finish the season sixteen and one or anything like that. They're going to be a couple of losses on there, and I still think that they had a great year. But I think this week could be tricky. Could be tricky. All right, my team's tire lock of the week. I'm tempted to go with Alabama, or excuse me, Auburn against Alabama just because of the rivalry aspect of that. But I'm going to take Texas against Texas Tech, minus 13 and a half. Texas Tech's offense struggled to throw the football this year. They've really relied on Taj Brooks and running it. Texas is just simply not going to allow them to run it at home. And I think that uh, Texas is playing with some revenge in mind against Texas Tech. I think they'll be ready to play for this game. And I think the Longhorns win this by two touchdowns. Uh, I know they've had the propensity to play teams close, but I'm going to go with uh, UT here. Brad's T.W. Right, lock of the week is the Baltimore Ravens minus three and a half in the Sunday night game against the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, it's a tricky team. The Chargers are a tricky team to bet on. Usually if they're favorite, it's kind of tough. I, I like them a lot better in the underdog role. Especially when they are getting more than a field goal, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll go ahead and take Auburn. I know last week's loss. This is one of those great recency bias games. Is that you say? Well, man, New Mexico State beats Auburn by 21 points a week ago. How in the world can you take them against a team like Alabama? Well, just because it's that rivalry game, Auburn has not played. They've not been awful all season this year. They've had some decent games. I think they'll be up to play against Alabama. And so I'll take the more than two touchdowns in the game with the Auburn Tigers. That's kind going? of like
2: the opposite of your theory about the goalposts coming down. If a team plays really bad, next week, big game, come out better. I like that.
5: Yeah, I think so. Yes. All right, Matt, what do you got? Number four. Uh, all
2: right. I, like I said, I got a couple more divisional games. Um, Falcons and Saints. Matching up, I, I don't I don't see any difference between these two teams. I think that these teams are up, about as good as each other. Um, what's really surprising to me, though, about these two teams is the Saints' defense hasn't been as good as I thought, and the Falcons' defense has been a lot better than I thought. So I, I, I would kind of favor the Falcons anyway. I think they're about the same, but given that they're the underdog in this divisional game, I believe I'm getting one and a half with Atlanta. All
5: right,
3: Falcons plus one and a half. Sam, what's next? I'll go with the 49ers at Seattle. Tough place to play, but they just have so much more talent than Seattle does. And and when you look at what they did last week, I mean, they can hit you from so many different areas, whether it be Kittle or Iuke or Debo and obviously McCaffrey. Seven points isn't enough in this game where I feel like they're just outmatched talent-wise, talking about Seattle. So give me the 49ers minus seven. I
2: thought about picking that one. All right, Brad – Yep, Brad's
5: pick here is Ohio State plus three and a half against Michigan. I'm really pulling for Ohio State in this game. I hope they're able to go in there and and play well and knock Michigan out of the national championship picture and the Big Ten championship picture. So um, good luck to the Buckeyes this week. And Brad's final pick is going to be another OSU. Oregon State, the Beavers, plus 13 and a half. In the Uncivil War rivalry game against Oregon, I think the Beavers had a lot of wind taken out of their sails last week. Losing at home to Washington, ending all those streaks uh, of playing well in that game. But nothing get the uh, Beavers more excited than facing their arch rival Ducks on the road. So I uh, I have no opinion on that game, but I'll probably be pulling for the, the uh, Beavers in that one.
2: Matt, Last pick. Uh, but, by the way, with my fourth pick, I said the Falcons were underdogs. They're, they're favorite by a point and a half in that game. Uh, but I, I, I like the Falcons. Um, also, the Texans against the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback, but I think he's really, really good against bad teams. I think whenever they play good teams, there's some, some inconsistency there. And C.J. Stroud, the Texans as a whole, are just on this unbelievable roll. Tank Dell is a monster. Uh, I, I love that guy. So uh, give me the Texans, uh, one-and-a-half point underdogs in this divisional game.
5: They would sweep the Jags if they win that one.
2: That'd be huge. Nobody would have predicted that. Nobody.
5: Yeah, especially to win that division. Uh, Nebraska, minus 2.5 against Iowa. Nebraska get Bo eligible. I, I don't know. Iowa does. They've just been playing close to everybody this week. I think Nebraska wins this game. If they could win it last year, they're going to win it. be able to win it this year. So give me Nebraska, minus the 2.5 against Iowa
3: what line do you guys have on the Ohio state Michigan game? Is it three and a half or three? Three,
5: three, three and and a half.
3: half. Yeah. I don't like that as much. Um, okay. My last pick, I'll go with Kansas minus six and a half at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's offense is terrible. Just give me Kansas minus six and
5: a half. Jayhawks played good last week. Jason bean did what was able to play against Kansas state at home. Um, Cincinnati has picked up some wins in the conference. I agree. I mean, they've moved the ball, but they're not really good in the red zone. Uh, but, but Cincinnati ended up um, – actually, they've not picked up any wins in the conference. What am I talking about? They're 1-7. At least played some games close. But 1-8 and eight would not be a good start in the league for uh, first-year head coach Scott Satterfield. All right, Matt, Thunder forecast tonight at 5.30.
2: Yes, five thirty, normal tip-off time. Um, I wonder if Zach Levine's going to be interested in playing basketball tonight. He's not, uh, at least for the Bulls, not looked interested in doing that lately.
5: Yeah, I, that the Bulls are a grease fire, uh, five and ten right now. Oklahoma City only a six and a half point favorite. That one looks like the line is kind of tricky to me. So uh, we will listen for you then, Matt. Thanks for your time. We will talk to you soon.
2: All right. All right. Thanks, guys.
5: All right, Matt Ray was keeping up the uh, the good work this year. Thirty five and twenty five on the season. That's a very very solid year i'm here at dr villardo's advanced laser and cataract center we got one moment to go here i will take your texts and your phone calls as we wrap it up turn it over to the ultimate on a wednesday stay tuned
10: well, years ago we talked
5: to tom moore then at
1: indianapolis the offensive coordinator you got a busted play here and then oh, no. sanchez gets hit the ball is loose and it's alive i have never seen this before in
10: my life watch this vince Wilfork is going to throw brandon moore back into his quarterback He's going to fumble the football. This is what Reggie White used to do to people, forklift them and just lift them off the ground. Mark Sanchez not expecting it, and it was the backside of Brandon Moore
5: that knocked the ball out.
10: Years ago, we talked
5: to 11-year anniversary of the play, now known worldwide as the butt fumble. Mark Sanchez, it's a tough one to live down, Sam. Probably lasts a lifetime. Jets had some good defenses there uh, and uh, not really great offense. That's how the timing works out in football sometimes. So the 11-year anniversary from uh, the Patriots and the Jets in that game. Uh, All right, college hoops-wise, North Carolina was trailing at half. Uh, They did not trail at the end of the game. They won, 90. what was it, 91-69, something like that. Uh, Big win for North Carolina. Kansas and uh, Tennessee are playing right now. Kansas has an early lead in that game. The college football playoff poll was released last night. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, top five, all undefeated. We know we will not have five undefeated teams at the top of the poll next week because Michigan and Ohio State play. But still a bunch of teams with one loss. If the playoff was 12 this year, I think things would be a lot different around here right now. With Oklahoma, just a couple of spots away, you would be rooting for uh, have a big vested interest in the Egg Bowl, uh, a big vested interest in Missouri and Arkansas. See if the Hogs could potentially pull an upset against Missouri. Other than that, you know, clearly everybody would be rooting for um, Oregon State. But with conference championship games coming up in the next week, there would be a lot more to uh, root for. It looks like somewhat decided. Now, now we do have another week of conference championship games and there could be some crazy things happening, but the winner of the Ohio State Michigan game going to be a huge favorite over Iowa in the uh, in the Big 10 championship game, ACC championship game with a banged up quarterback at Florida State. Louisville on the other end. That game would be I think pretty close to a pick 'em. And the uh, Pac-12 championship is going to be a great game, and the Pac-12 championship really hasn't decided much when it comes to the college football playoff recently, but Oregon and Washington would be a good one. Oklahoma with two losses and not in the Big 12 championship game, be curious as how they would be viewed against some of the teams. I think Alabama with two losses would be ahead of OU. Um, Oregon with two losses would be ahead of Oklahoma. So that, that's Tulane right now is the team that would be the uh, Group of Five representative uh, in the College Football Playoff. It's been a weird year in that we haven't had the upsets that we normally do. Five teams going into the final week of the regular season undefeated it just does not happen. Who are you putting in the final Sorry? four in the in the chaos
3: scenario, Mark? Because we could have a scenario where Michigan's the Big Ten champ undefeated, Florida State's the right. ACC champ undefeated, Alabama's twelve and one SEC champ, Oregon Pac twelve champ twelve and one, Texas Big Twelve champ twelve and one, and then you got twelve and one Georgia, twelve and one Washington, and twelve and one Ohio State. Oh
5: boy, that's gonna be really hard. Uh, I I favor the conference champs, even Florida
3: State. I know they would be undefeated, but they don't have the quarterback, and the
5: ACC is terrible. It's not been great. But if they do go 12-0, 13-0, 13-0 and win and the 0. conference championship, I think they, they'd have to be in there. Yeah. But
3: I would. You, they, let me just ask in, you this. Would there. they be favored over any of those other teams I just mentioned?
5: Not without Travis. No. I don't think so. so I think it. it's a discussion. how it's hard to leave out Georgia as the two-time defending national champ if they have one loss, twelve and one.
3: I mean, it's Texas hard. would get in over Georgia. It would be hard to leave happened, out,
5: right? Uh, uh, because
3: Texas beat Alabama, and, and then Alabama would have beaten Georgia, so that would have already been
5: a decided. Twelve and one,
3: right? I mean, wouldn't it be between? Now,
5: jo- I mean, Georgia and Oregon. I was having this text conversation with a friend earlier today, and his point was that. At the time in the season when Texas beat Alabama, things have changed quite significantly. But you also have to respect the result on the field. Because he was telling me, hey, Georgia beats Texas if they play pretty easily. And I said, well, I thought at the time that Alabama would beat Texas. But they played and Texas won. And Texas won in the fourth quarter pretty decisively. And, yes, I think Alabama's gotten better. But I don't know. Um, I think you have to respect what happened on the field. And for that reason, Texas had a better uh, non-conference schedule than Georgia. But, man, I I kind of, in a a sense, I'm all good with the chaos theory. I'd love to see how that kind of gets worked out. Uh, Thus knowing that we'll have some chaos when it gets to 12 teams, but it won't be between teams as good as Georgia, Ohio State, Texas.
3: It's a shame they didn't start it this year because this is the perfect 12-team playoff year.
5: I agree.
1: Are you ready for hard-hitting observations? Reality remains reality no matter how hard you try to ignore it. The Ben Shapiro Show brings you all the news you need to know in America today. Again, I'm all here for the pop culture, people dating each other for the press. Ben breaks down the culture and never gives an inch. Every so often, and by every so often I mean literally every twenty-seven seconds, so the producer gets fired. The Ben Shapiro Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. I
5: totally agree. Twelve-team playoff this year would be—it uh, would be great for the game. Great. Sam, happy Thanksgiving, man. I've enjoyed working with you uh, this year. I look yes, forward sir. to uh, even more of that. I want to say thanks to Dr. Bellardo. If you want to see far, you want to see near, you've got to come here to Advanced Laser and Counteract Center. He's the best in the business. I highly, rec- uh, I highly recommend him if you're having any kind of difficulty with your vision. Uh, the Ultimate is coming up next. to take you through the afternoon. Keep it locked in here.